0: hello! Welcome back to Cup of Taboo, with me, Tala. I hope you guys have had a good week. I mean, it hasn't even been a week, I don't think, but I hope you've been having a good time. As I promised, here's your next episode, we're on episode 14, folks! I don't know what that was, I really don't, and I'm so sorry that you had to go through that with me. Today we are doing another Bizarre and Unfortunate Deaths. So that would make this part 2 of my Bizarre and Unfortunate death series. Yay! First series. Aren't you excited? I am. So anyway, before I start, did you guys hear about the human body parts that were found in the fridge in Protea Glen in Soweto this weekend? It's hectic. So what happened was, is there was, from what I could read out of the news sources, there was very little information, but a 26-year-old man who is supposedly a student and who was renting a room in a house in Protea Glen was arrested after his new girlfriend found human body parts in his fridge. So basically this was the first time that she was supposedly at his house or one of the first few times or whatever, but he went to the shop, she stayed behind, and did what any normal human being would do at their new partner's house. She snooped. And uh she opened the fridge, because she was hungry, I'm assuming, and there she saw the body parts. I don't know which body parts, but I don't know, girl. Mm-mm. So she called the cops immediately. And it said that the man allegedly tried to commit suicide when he was arrested, but he was stabilized and is now in custody. Wild. But well, we don't even know who the victim is. Nothing. Well, at least I don't. But just hectic stuff, man. I mean, what is going on? Anyway, besides that, I have no other news at all. I cut my hair today. Well, I didn't cut it, I got it cut. And I'm pretty chuffed. It was looking a little bit dead. Now it's like a little bit less dead, you know? Unlike my soul. (laughs) Kidding! Anyway, I hope that you are ready for your weekly dose of bizarre, strange and unusual served in your cup of taboo. Again, this will probably be a shot of taboo, but, you know, it's a little episode. A little bit of a break from all of the really tough stuff that I've been talking about over the past few weeks. It's been it's been rough, man. It's been rough. So I'm just going to jump straight into it. I think there are 10. There might be nine. There might be more. I don't know. There's, there's a few. But the first one that I'm going to start off with is Sigurd the Mighty, who was an Earl of Orkney. He was basically a hardcore head-banging Viking man. He was a scary dude who was known throughout the land. He was born a commoner, And then he went on to be a great military leader under Olaf the White. A Viking Sea King. Which, quite frankly, I'm quite upset that that's not my title. I want to be a Viking Sea Queen. Hell yeah. That sounds amazing. So basically, there was some family stuff where Sigurd's brother was given... Uh, Orkney and Shetland Islands, the Orkney and Shetland Islands, because his child was killed while serving under the king or something along those lines. But you know, his brother was like really not interested in having these islands. So he just kind of like gave them to Sigurd in the year 875. So, you know, just like, hey, little bro, you want some islands? Take them. They're yours. So, by all accounts, Sigurd was a decent earl. He looked after his islands and he, you know, looked after his people. He also would lead his people into battles and he was known as Earl Sigurd, the powerful. Basically, things started getting a bit hairy, you know, politics and war and whatnot. But there was a certain leader named, I'm gonna screw this one up, I think it's Mael Breaked who was Scottish, anyone who's Scottish that could pronounce that, please teach me. Um, and anyway they were like fighting over some stuff I think it was over some land obviously everything was about land back then and they agreed to meet in honorable combat which sounds cool again over a certain area of land anyway so this entailed that each men would meet with 40 men you know as soldiers and they would fight one against one you know and basically Sigurd was convinced that Malbrigt was going to cheat, so he was like, "You know what before he cheats, I'm going to cheat. So what he did is he bought forty horses, but each horse had two men maths, obviously, Sigurd's eighty men dominated and won the battle they just destroyed and Sigurd said to his men that they must take the head of their enemies and tie them to their horses, which I mean he took Malbrigt the other leader's head and tied it to his horse so now it was also said that i must I must put it out there that. Mile brigged was he was a bit of a buck tooth and that was he, he was known for his buck teeth so while sigurd rode back this decapitated head's teeth were rubbing against his leg right where there happened to be an open wound some sources said that the, the teeth gave him the wound others said that he had an open wound and you know the teeth would rub against it and unfortunately this man's mouth was full of disgusting bacteria, because I'm pretty sure that they didn't know how to brush their teeth back then, besides the point. And what happened was Sigurd's wound became really, really gross and infected. And he died due to the infection. So, technically, Mare killed him from the grave. or from the back of his horse, but still. So, that's, that's death number one. Killed by the head of his fur, his teeth. <laughs> the next one that I've got for you, well, not one, it's a it's a few people. It's, it's actually a, an event in history. But these are the victims of the Dancing Plague of 1518. So, in 1518, there was this really weird thing that happened in a place called Strasbourg. Strasbourg. Strasbourg, yes, I'm going to go with Strasbourg. Which was a small little town in the then Holy Roman Empire, which is now France. And in July of that year, a woman in the town named Frau, I can't do it, Frau, Frau, wow, I used to be able to speak some German, Frau Trophy, Trophia Trophia, so that's Madame Trophia began dancing on the street. So she just started jamming one day, and people were like, oh, that's weird, okay, that's odd, but she, she just didn't stop. She carried on over on the first day until she collapsed of exhaustion, and then, you know, got up the next day and carried on dancing it carried on for six days straight her feet were bleeding people were like what the hell so now at this point by the end of the week 34 other people had actually joined her just jamming dancing aimlessly no music day in day out you know they would dance until they collapsed and then carry on so after a week the officials actually took Frau Trophia, away to the mountaintop, to the patron saint Vitus statue, to get rid of her affliction. You know, they believed that she was afflicted with this curse of movement for her sins. They, you know, back then, things were like that. So, at this point, like, the other people just carried on dancing until that was what they were going to do. They were like, okay, we're just going to carry on dancing. And the town people were like, uh, the town council, should I say, were like, This is dodgy. So they came up with the fact that it was hot blood. And instead of, like, doing bloodletting, which was supposedly the treatment at the time, they decided that the other treatment would be to make them dance more. They would just get it out of their systems. They would just jam it out. So they built a giant stage in the middle of the town. They got musicians there. They got professional dancers there. And they got people to just dance it out which failed miserably and more and more people were caught up in this mass hysteria they were you know just doing it there are reports that around 400 people were afflicted with this choreomania so you know dance mania dance craze and at the height of the problem it is said that up to 15 people per day were dying so there's no actual record for how many people died in total, but they said at the height there were up to 15 people per day dying. So it's assumed that quite a few people just died of exhaustion, strokes, um, starvation because they weren't eating, Uh, they also were not drinking, they also, some people had heart attacks, like, people were just dropping down, man, like flies. So they have no idea what caused the choreomania, but they assumed that it had something to do with mass hysteria um, due to the serious hardships that the town was facing, so they were going through some stuff, drought. Famine, all the good things of the 1500s. And they assumed that this was just, you know, the people were not doing so well. And then suddenly, when Frau Trofia lost her mind and started dancing, people sort of picked up on it. Mass hysteria, that's what they theorize. Others theorize that there was a type of mold or fungus growing on the wheat that can cause delusions and spasms. Now, it's not, you know, it's never really been, um, it's never really been What's the word I'm looking for? Proven. But, you know, those are the two more popular theories. The other one was that everyone was being cursed by St. Vitus, the saint uh, for sinning and stuff. But, I mean, I don't know. That's that's one of the things. I could do a whole episode on this. Like, I'm actually busy reading a book on this because it's interesting and I'd really like to see the different, like, theories and stuff. So if you guys want to hear a, a whole thing on the victims of the dancing plague, let me know. I can maybe do that sometime in the future. So yeah, dance it out. Next up, we've got a man called Hans Steininger, who was the mayor of a little Austrian town of Bornau am Inn in 1567, which happens to also this Bornau am Inn be the birthplace of Adolf Hitler, von fact. Back to Hans, Hans was the mayor, and he was best remembered for his death. Well, technically, he was best known for his extremely long beard, which was four and a half feet long. So that's 137 centimeters long. That's a very long beard. It was said that he was well-liked by his people and also that his beard had a forked tip and that it would touch the floor, basically. I mean, 137 centimeters, that's long enough to touch the floor, which is kind of gross. And, you know, it was so long that he would roll it up and tuck it into a little pocket, to a little beard pocket. So imagine you've got facial hair growing from your face. It's so long that it touches the floor. Never mind having little food particles like stuck in there for a sneaky snack. There was probably also a lot of odd little trinkets that were caught up there on the floor. Oh, look, a penny. Imagine. It could be like a little... You <laughs> wouldn't have to mop the floor on Saturdays. You can just walk around the house a few times. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of the long facial hair. It's just not my... You know, I don't want to... It's not my vibe. Glad I can't grow any. So anyway, on the 28th of September 1567, a fire broke out in the town of Braunau Armin. Obviously, there was like this huge panic, and in the panic, Hans's beard came loose from its trusty beard pocket. And because he was like super stressed, he didn't bother rolling it back up and tucking it back away. Instead, he just kind of like flung it over his shoulder, you know, pushed it aside. Does your beard hang low? Does it wobble to and fro? Nope. Okay shoved it over his shoulder, carried on with his life, and this was his downfall, literally. He was, <laughs> lol. he was standing at the top of some stairs, trying to like calm the panic, and he stood forward, and he stood on his beard and tripped, falling down the stairs, breaking his neck, killing him. The townspeople erected a monument of him in front of the church, but to take it a step further, they also cut off his beard and displayed it in a glass case in the museum. Where it is still there today, it was chemically preserved and everything. They even have an impersonator of him at this little town, who grew his beard out. I wonder how long it would take for a beard to grow that long. Also, like, it must be, like, really frustrating. Like, if it gets wet, that, that's heavy. So, yeah, don't don't grow your beards that long, guys. You know, a little bit of stubble is quite nice, but please don't grow it to the floor. Thank you. K okay, Bar. Next up, I've got... A man named Clement Vallandingham, who was a former congressman who worked as a lawyer in Lebanon, Ohio, in 1871. I didn't know there was a place called Lebanon, Ohio. I was like, oh, cool, Lebanon. And then I saw Ohio and I was like, what? Okay. So sidetracked. At this time in, in the story, in, our, in his life story, in this story of his life, uh, he was defending a man named Thomas McGeehan, who was accused of killing a man during a saloon brawl by shooting him. So the defense was that, like the defense that they were going to go with was that Tom Myers, the victim, had accidentally shot himself when he withdrew his pistol. So one night Clement, his friends, they they called him Val because of his surname. So I'm just going to call him Val because it's a lot easier to say, um, they decided that they would go and do some ballistic tests and see how like likely the scenario was. And when he was done, he had three rounds left in his pistol. And this friend was like, you should probably discharge those. And he was like, eh, it's fine. And he put his pistol down, like when he got back to the hotel, put his pistol down when they were done with the tests and next to the little gun that he had used in court that day that was not loaded. This was mistake number one. No, mistake number one was him not discharging his bullets. Mistake number two was putting it right next to an unloaded gun that probably looked exactly the same. So at some point in the night, I don't, I don't know why, he wanted to show his lawyer friends like, how he thought it happened. So he grabbed the loaded gun, meaning to go for the unloaded gun, accidentally grabbed the loaded gun, put it in his pocket, and then drew it back out and left it sort of like pointed at his abdomen. And his finger just touched the trigger and then bang. He apparently cried out, My God, I've shot myself! And he lay there for 12 hours, dying, as friends and doctors tried to help him, but they could not find the bullet and ultimately he died due to his injury. So the guy who Bell was defending, McGeehan, was ultimately acquitted and set free because his lawyer kind of proved his point. Talk about being dedicated to the job. Up next, we've got Thornton Jones, who was also a lawyer. But this one was in Bangor, Wales, England. So, well, United Kingdom? I really don't know if it's England or United Anyway, he was from Bangor. I couldn't find much information on him and his life, so I'm just going to go straight to his death. In 1924, he woke up suddenly and he realized that his throat was slit. So he lived for 80 minutes after getting his throat slit in his sleep where he reportedly just kept begging his wife and his kid for forgiveness. He was like, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, please forgive me. And then he like wrote down on a piece of paper, I dreamt that I had done it. I awoke to find it true. And then he died. After an inquest on the accident, it was found that his cause of death was suicide while temporarily insane. So this is kind of like those people who sleepwalk and sleep drive, sleep sex, you know? The, the, the guy just sleeps suicided, supposedly. For all we know, he could have been murdered and somehow believed that he did it himself. I mean, have you ever woken up so angry at someone because they did something to you in a dream? What if he just, like, in his mind, his throat was slit and in his brain, like, to, like, sort of compensate for that, he suddenly dreamed that he had done it himself. Anyway, I'm just putting out there speculating, speculations all over the place. But anyway, so that guy, sleep suicided, cut, cut his own throat, dreamt about it. Pretty tragic, I mean, shame. Also, why does he keep a knife next to the bed? Next on our list, we've got Basil Brown, who was a 48-year-old scientist from England. Gotta love scientists. On the 15th of February, 1974, he passed away. His cause of death was listed as carrot juice addiction. You heard me right. It was said that Basil was obsessed with health, and he was also obsessed with carrot juice, basically. So he would drink up to a gallon of carrot juice a day, as well as consuming up to a handful of vitamin A tablets every day. don't know, I I mean, I don't know, maybe he had a deficiency, but if, and I, it's a bit excessive. You know what I mean? So it was estimated that in a 10-day time frame, he had taken 70 million units of vitamin A, which is obviously way too much. His doctor did warn him about this excessive intake of vitamins, because at this point, his liver was already enlarged, but he in quotes, had a low opinion of doctors, end quotes. Funny, coming from a scientist. So when he died, he was apparently bright yellow, and he had died from cirrhosis of the liver, which is what happens to an alcoholic. So the doctor said that his liver was literally, you couldn't tell the difference between his liver and a person who had died of alcoholism or alcohol poisoning. So the story here is vitamins are good for you, but don't take too much. Don't, Don't be a basil. David Grundman is my next victim, or the next victim. And I just want to start off by saying I got all this information on David from a blog called The Ancient and Esoteric Order of the Jackalope, which sounds like a cult, and it sounds like a cult that I want to be part of. Okay, thank you. Anyway, David Grantman was born in 1957 in Johnson City, New York. New York. After high school, he worked as a cook and a part-time drug dealer. Great credentials. Just a brief history on his life, so you can sort of get a sense of the man I'm dealing with, well, we're dealing with. In January 1979, him and his friends agreed to sell some marijuana, Mary Jane, the devil's lettuce, to a 16-year-old. But David was a sly little donkey, and he pulled out a gun and told them all to hand over their money, pretending like his friends were also victims. But they were then revealed to be his accomplices. So, at this point... David and his gang of friends believed that the 16-year-old wouldn't be silly enough to report this robbery to the police. No, no, because, you know, he was buying drugs. But he did exactly that. He went to the cops and he was like, I tried to buy some drugs from these guys and they robbed me. So that resulted in a four and a half year prison sentence for this gang of thieves. And in 1981, Grundman was released from prison. He moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and he worked at the country kitchen to try and keep himself out of trouble, which he didn't. But he did carry on with his usual shenanigans—drinking, doing drugs, silly things, you know. So on the fourth of February, nineteen eighty-two, David Grundman and his roomie James Suchochi decided to go cactus plugging, which is when people would go into the desert and shoot cacti for fun, kind of like you know when they shoot cans, but this is way less cool because you're actually like killing beautiful cactuses. Cacti, cacti, um. So I just want to quickly give you a quick breakdown of these specific cacti. They are called the saguaro cactus. Saguerros only grow in the northern part of the Sonoran Desert. And they are typically a cactus. Like they're the typical one that you think of. Like super tall, thin, well, round, not round, super tall, green, with little arms. Like, you know, they look like little potty, potty cactuses. They just, they've got their cute little arms. They're huge, though. So they're not endangered or threatened, but they are protected by the law. Um, Because, you know, they're part of, like, history and all that kind of good stuff. It can also take up to 100 years. Well, wait, hang on. It takes 100 years to grow to, like, the giant, huge structures that, that they can become. So they're massive. These guys can be up to, like, 30 feet tall, which is almost three stories high. So there's photos of people on the internet, like, next to these things. And they look like little mini people. So that's sort of, so you know the cactus that we're dealing with. So back to David, him and his roomie jumped in the car with some guns and they drove into the desert just west of Lake Pleasant, which I'm sure is a lake in a horror movie and I didn't Google it. Let me Google it right now. Give me a second. Um, I'm thinking of Lake Placid. Never mind. Okay, so they drove out to Lake, basically just west of Lake Pleasant. And when they arrived there, they were like, yeah, let's shoot some cake. (laughs) So they shot down a little baby 10-foot saguaro, which was easy for them. Also, a baby 10-foot. That's very tall for a baby. But anyway, they shot it down. It pretty much broke in half. Dead, which is unfair for the characters, but that's besides the point. So at this point, Grundman was like, I need, I need more difficulty. Level up. I'm going to target this big boy. So he went to a 27-foot tall, which is about 8 meters tall, saguaro, and he stood right in front of it, and then he let off two shots with his shotgun. So the the violence of the shots, I don't think that's the right word, but I'm going with it, broke like the top half or some of the top pieces off of the cactus. And David was in the process of shouting, Timber! But only got so far as Tim! When a falling chunk of cactus fell and squashed him like a bug. It was said that the piece of cactus that fell on David was around two tons heavy. Also, they have very sharp spikes, so on top of being squashed, he was also impaled. By the time emergency responders arrived, he was dead. And he was also awarded a Darwin Award for his death. Talk about nature, taking back, fighting back. You know how some people just go, like they pop off, like they're in a movie? Jimmy Ferrozzo was one of those people. Jimmy was a forty-year-old bouncer at a strip club called Condor Club in St- San Francisco, and the year was 1983. Picture it: typical '80s strip club. I just have this like weird filter in my mind of like purples, yellows, oranges. You know what I'm? You get the vibe, right? Jimmy was found crushed to death on top of his naked girlfriend, who was a dancer at the club named Carol on top of a piano prop that was often used by the dancers. So the dancers had this grand piano that was attached to ropes that used to like lift into the air and then they could dance on top of it. I just imagine this grand spinning lifting black piano with like a Madonna type show on top of it. That's what I get like Madonna or like Marilyn Monroe. That's how I see it. But anyway, what happened, what they speculated happened, was that him and his boothang were getting freaky on the piano prop after hours and that he accidentally tripped the up button and either didn't realize that they were lifting or didn't think that it would go just all the way to the top, to the roof. So while they were banging it out, the piano slowly rose and then just, it, it didn't stop, crashing the 240 pound bouncer against the ceiling and killing him. He died of asphyxia. Carol survived with some bruising surprisingly. Shame, that must have been traumatic. Imagine that. Your boyfriend's on top of you dead and like you just gotta wait for people to come and rescue you. It's just it's terrible. His final tune, you could say. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) I think this next one is definitely one of my favourites. Not to say that I have favourite deaths. I think that's a bit bizarre, but just the sheer absur- absurd absurdity just the sheer absurdity of this is what makes me just I shake my head. it's smH I think is what the cool kids say or was that last season I don't know so in buenos Aires buenos Aires Buenos Aires, on the morning of the 21st of October 1988, there was a poodle named Catchy, I think that's how you pronounce it catchy Cashy, who belonged to a family who lived on the 13th floor of a building. So on the 21st of October, Catchy somehow got out onto the balcony and he slipped through the railing. Catchy fell 13 floors. Now at the bottom of the building, there was a 75-year-old lady named Marta Espina who was walking home from the shops. Catchy, the falling poodle, landed directly on Marta and they were both killed instantly. So Marta was killed by a falling poodle. But it does not end there. When this happened, a 46-year-old lady named Edith Sola saw this happen and, not thinking, she ran across the road to see if she she could help. Now, vehicles were screeching like "Er, er," around her because she was just running across the road. But there was a bus that just could not slow down enough. And the bus hit Edith, killing her instantly. And at this time, an unnamed man stepped out of the pharmacy on the corner where all the commotion was taking place. He witnessed this absolute carnage. Dog, full on head. Lady, run, get hit by bus. He clutched his chest, collapsed, and died of a heart attack. This all sounds fake, but it totally happened. It's in the newspapers. It's an actual thing that happened. Now, this is a series of unfortunate events. And, I mean, shame. It, It sucks for everyone, but... It happened. Don't keep poodles on the 13th floor. They like gardens. All the poodies. My last person that I'm going to talk about is Anton Yelchin, who you might know. He is quite a well-known actor. Uh, not necessarily his name, but you'll definitely recognize his face and you'll recognize the roles. He was in Star Trek. He was Odd Thomas, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I think I might even do like a review show on it just because I love it so much. I've read all the books. Um, and more. I mean, he was he was quite, quite good. So he was born on the 11th of March, 1989, to professional figure skaters in Russia. How cool. And they moved to the US when he was still a baby. So he was a very well-liked actor and really quite wonderful, apparently, as a human being. So he also had cystic fibrosis, and he was actually, at the time of his death, getting ready to make the news public. Um, but... He never got the chance to do that, but it eventually came out, that so he could, you know, make you know, people aware of it. On the 19th of June, I think it was 2016, Anton was killed in a pretty bizarre way. So his driveway was quite steep, and he was driving out because he was going to go do some some rehearsals or something. I don't remember, but he, he'd stopped his Jeep, Grand Cherokee, and he got out. I'm assuming he got out to check the mail, close the gate, something. But he got out of his car and he went to the bottom of the driveway. And whatever happened, happened and the car's brakes failed. The car rolled down the hill, pinning Anton between the car and the wall. And his cause of death was asphyxiation. And they assumed that he died within a minute but from his injuries and from asphyxiation. He was 27 years old, so he is officially part of the 27 Club. Um, Another weird thing, though, about this death is that in the movie Odd Thomas, there is a scene where he's talking to this dude who can also see these demon things. So, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, stop listening now. But he's, like, in the, the movie, there's these, like, death bug thingies. I don't know what the heck they are. They're cool, though. And there's another guy that can see them. So, Odd, the guy who Anton plays, is the only person who can really see them. And then this other guy is like, yeah, I can see them. And he was like, you should never let them know. But anyway, so this dude gets crushed between a car and a wall, killing him in front of Anton's character, which, I don't know, man. It's one of those weird things, you know, like cursed movies or whatever. I'm just saying. So, yeah, those are the bizarre and unfortunate deaths that I have for you guys this week. I hope that you enjoyed them. Well, I hope that you enjoyed listening to them and... Let me know if you have any weird ones. So if you know anyone or if you know of anyone that had a really strange, bizarre popping off, then let me know. Because, I don't know, I find these things on Google. It would be cool to have some first-hand accounts. I mean, it's tragic and I don't want to be offensive to anyone. But if you know of anything or if you've heard of something that you heard of on like a a TV show or whatever, let me know. I'd love to put it in my next one, which will probably only come out in a few months' time. But, you know... Gives time to get more, get more stories. Um, please follow me on social media. That is Instagram at cup of underscore podcast. Facebook, it's just cup of taboo. Uh, you can email me any ideas on cup of taboo at gmail dot com. And I would really, 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 really appreciate a review, a rating, or anything like that on Apple Podcasts or on Reason or anywhere. Really the reviews do help me get seen more, help me grow organically, and that would be really nice because I would like to grow in this podcast. Okay, so that's all for today, folks. I hope that you have a wonderful week further, and I will chat to you next time. Okay, goodbye.